Todd, welcome to Inside Athletic Training. We're extremely happy to have you on for our 18th episode. Uh, we like to start each episode by asking our guests to share some information with the listeners about uh, the Professional Baseball Athletic Trainer Society, also known as PBATS, and really just what the society means to you. Sure, Sam. Happy to be on. PBATS has, has been instrumental um, in not only in baseball, but in the field of athletic training, uh, for a un- unbelievable resource, educational platform, not only for peers, but to get out to aspiring athletic trainers, uh, to other athletic trainers within the industry, whether you're at the high school, collegiate, or professional levels. Yeah, and it's definitely uh, been an instrumental educational resource for athletic trainers and students and and everybody just looking to learn more about about the profession and get into the game of baseball. Um, well, Todd, you're you're currently in your sixth year as a director of sports medicine for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and we'll get into your job uh, and your career path a bit more. But first, I want to learn more about you and your background and what paths led you to where you are today in Pittsburgh. So let's take it back a bit. Where are you from? Were you an athlete playing sports growing up? And, and also share with the listeners where you found your passion for athletic training. Absolutely. Uh, born and raised in Pittsburgh. So it's, it's, it's been a full circle childhood dream come true. Thought I wanted to be a uh, professional baseball player. Uh, fastly realized that, 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 that is not uh, in, in the cards. Um, so I'd, I'd always had a, a love for medicine um, had always had a love for sports, being outdoors, being outside. Uh, really found a passion uh, for for baseball. Loved playing Sandlot in the neighborhood, friends with brothers, um, uh, with family members. And, and this is has been a culmination over all the years of a a true passion for medicine, of helping others, uh, of serving others in in the community uh, with family. Uh, taking care of brothers and sisters and family members when they when they got injured, um, and, and really identifying um, that there's that need in professional sports. Athletes get injured, uh, and when they do get injured, recognizing uh, and having the empathy, uh, understanding of what they've gone through, and, and what they've been through, and what they're about to go through, working back through an injury, whether it be minor or major. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into your career path here quickly. Um, but one one interesting aspect about you and your life and your career is is the Pittsburgh connection and and being born and raised in the in the place where you work. And you know, I'm sure never in your wildest dreams could you have imagined it playing out like this. Uh, we spoke with Nick Frangel with the Cubs, Kyle Torgerson of the Mariners, and both of them are our hometown kids in in Chicago and Seattle, respectively. So I'm wondering if if you felt um, you know more pressure or support. Uh, just being in charge of the the Pirates health uh, as the director of sports medicine for your hometown team? Great question, Sammy. I, I would say both. Um, but with, with great opportunity comes the pressure and the support, not only from uh, family members, friends, but, but just the, the community at large and, 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 and the organization at large. I, I've had a, a very, very interesting and very, um, uh, I, I would say, u- unique path I was extremely blessed to begin my my career with the Cleveland. Back then, it was the Indians, now Guardians organization. Uh, being close to Pittsburgh, uh, spent about eight years uh, with that organization, and then had the unique opportunity uh, to go out to be the assistant athletic trainer with Los Angeles Dodgers. Never thinking, um, small boy from Pittsburgh, uh, go out in the big town in, of, of Los Angeles. Uh, had this great opportunity. Uh, was was fortunate enough to land the 
the, the job and, and spent about five, five, six years out there, never thinking I'd leave. Uh, but uh, my wife is from, from the Midwest, from Chicago. Uh, we had a, a unique opportunity to come back to Pittsburgh uh, to basically um, start a family and, and really where our roots started in the Midwest and, and Pittsburgh and, and the East uh, to, to start a family and, and fulfill some of those uh, lifelong uh, traits that, that we were raised on. Mm-hmm. And you've been with the Pirates for more than a decade now, I've spent 25 years in professional baseball, just a huge accomplishment for any athletic trainer. Um, but we know everyone needs to get their start somewhere. Uh, love to hear more about your first couple of years as an athletic trainer in baseball and kind of how that formed uh, your work ethic and your path to the major leagues. Absolutely. Just just graduated um, college from Duquesne University, um, had a, um, a co-worker, uh, actually an athletic trainer, Lee Koontz, uh, who we all know, uh, had, a, had a friend that was a professor at the university I attended, and they, they shared um, with Lee that there was an opportunity with the, the Cleveland uh, organization at that time uh, for an A-ball uh, opportunity. I said, absolutely, I'll interview. And the next thing I know, I was flying down to Winter Haven, Florida, um, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and had zero idea what I was doing at the age <laughs> of 21. Um, and just most of the players were older than me. Actually, a lot of the players were older than me, uh, with the exception of some of the international players that, that, that come over from overseas. Uh, but it was just an eye-opening experience and a humbling experience uh, to, to boot, uh, so, something that was instilled with me uh, from a long time ago from my father, uh, have your ears and eyes wide open, uh, be, seen and be, 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 not, be seen first and not heard. And, and that is some messaging that has really stuck with me and just to uh, uh, really absorb the information, observe, ask questions. Uh, even if you think you know, you know you have the answers, ask several questions uh, before you, you really respond uh, to, to really de- dive deeper into the knowledge and, and the knowledge of the room. And I'm I, for, for, I mean, really, really blessed. Uh, my first experience uh, in professional baseball uh, in that, that athletic training room in Winter Haven, Florida, there, there were presently uh, and formerly over uh, six head athletic trainers with not uh, in addition to some directors in the Cleveland organization. Uh, extremely, be- uh, extremely blessed to be, to be led uh, by those men and women, um, and it was, uh, it, w- it was a great time back then. And, and now with almost 20 episodes of the show in the books here, we're starting to notice a trend that you kind of mentioned there, um, and that's the family tree of athletic training. So, you know, who was at the top, who was, who was training and educating all of the younger guys and, and women back in the day. And, and a lot of people who are instrumental in, in the development of you and many of your colleagues. Uh, I know you spent eight years with the Cleveland Indians, now guardians uh, in their minor league system. Um, can you talk a bit more about who you came up with in the game? Like you mentioned before, and also some of those main mentors who were, were kind of showing you guys the way. A- absolutely. I mean, at that time, the major league staff was led by Paul Spacuza, Jim Warfield, uh, Jim Mahalik, and, and, and Scott Bartz. Uh, Fernando Montez was <clears throat> was the strength coach, and their their presence with our um, minor league athletic training group was instrumental. Uh, and and those, those names included Rick Jamison, uh, Nick Paparesta, Lee Koontz, Teddy Blackwell, uh, Jeff Desjardins, uh, Chad Wolf. Uh, 
name a few, and there there are there are many others. And it was a family. Just because they were in the in the major leagues, uh, they wanted to share their their experiences with us. They wanted to share their best practices, what they learned from, what their mistakes were, and we were wide eyes wide open. And yeah, there there was discernment at times. There was disagreement, and and yes, there was there was some competition. We were at different levels. We were at different um, um, we were different affiliates, uh, one above of the next. But you would never know that. Uh, we we all had each other's backs. We we all uh, called each other. We all uh, kept in touch throughout the season, throughout the off season. If there was there was challenging cases or a challenging injury that we were dealing with a player or a staff member, uh, we would have weekly calls. Uh, we, we would pick up the phone at, at any or pager back then, uh, <laughs> and, and we, we, would, we, we would just call each other and connect and say, hey, I, I need help. And I think that was the, the, the biggest learning tool for me growing up in that culture, growing up in that environment, is that it's okay to ask questions, it's okay to be wrong, and it's okay to ask for help because we're all in it for it to, together, and that's growing together, getting better together, ultimately impacting our players that we hope to keep on the field to get better. Mm-hmm. And now that you've been in the big leagues for so long, uh, one of the most established athletic trainers in, in baseball, um, I'm wondering what advice, your best advice, you'd give to college students looking to get in the game of uh, baseball as an athletic trainer. I know whether there's a, a skill set or a personality trait, everybody is looking for something different. Um, and there's so much information out there for younger kids to absorb. Uh, and I'm sure they're wondering, you know, what's the best piece of advice that that someone in your position would provide? That's a great question, Sam. And, and I, I get asked that commonly with with uh, with some of the speaking engagements that I get asked to do. And, and, and pulling off your, your one word that you just use, absorb, be a sponge. Uh, be a sponge, be open. Uh, ask questions, be curious, uh, open-minded, uh, and, and you never know when the opportunity and, and, and when you'll get that call. Uh, you never know uh, who's going to be at, a, at an event, at a sporting event that comes to your university, that, that comes to an event that you're covering as a student athletic trainer or aspiring certified athletic trainer, or at a conference. Be, be as professional as you can. Um, always have that that servant that servant mindset, uh, that white belt that white belt mentality, that that you don't have all the answers and and that you're you're just you're just striving for that every day of learning something new. Mm-hmm. And and one thing I love talking to you about is is the the history of PBATS and your career path because you're in such a unique position. Um, with such great stories about, you know, back in the day when athletic training staffs might have been just two people doing everything, um, you've been able to see the profession and the staffs just grow incredibly quickly uh, with such great innovation. Um, so can you talk a bit about the growth of the profession and, and how the athletic training rooms today look much different than back when you got started? Yes, as, as you've alluded to, it, it used to be the, the athletic trainer. Um, when I started, it was not a, a strength conditioning coach. When I started, it was not a uh, physical therapist, and it was not a, um, um, a, a nutritionist or mental skills coach. But I, I think as what we've learned and as organizations uh, have grown and evolved, that we need different skill sets. We need different inputs. And as a certified athletic trainer, um, uh, we're the master of all. 
we we have this robust education in many different many different um, venues, many different skill set expertises, uh, from rehab to triage to strength conditioning uh, to mental health uh, to just general wellness, and and we we can put this together in in one compilation. But as the needs of the athletes grew, as the needs of organizations grew, um, it, it was important for not only organizations but medical staffs, commonly led by certified athletic trainers, uh, to to embrace new skill sets, to a new, embrace different professions to help them do their jobs and uh, more effectively and most efficiently. Mm-hmm. And talking about doing your job effectively, uh, you've definitely done that as as your rise through the ranks has been super impressive. And we, we touched on your time in pretty vastly different locations across the country from Los Angeles to, to Cleveland to Pittsburgh now. Um, in addition to your time, uh, you know, in Cleveland and Pittsburgh, you mentioned your time in L.A. with the Dodgers. Uh, curious to know if you noticed a big difference working in such a huge media market versus smaller ones like Pittsburgh and Cleveland when it comes to the pressures of working as an athletic trainer in those markets. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and when, when you have time to, to, to sit and reflect on it, um, it's the same, they're the same players, whether it's a big market, small market. Uh, the, the pressures are the pressures are the same. You want to make sure that uh, you're you're doing the best for the player that ultimately is doing the best for the organization, which in turn you're doing best for your your career. Um, just because you're in Pittsburgh or Cleveland versus versus Los Angeles, the pressure uh, to keep your players on the field to maximize or optimize their their performance daily, depending on what that individual has in the tank. Uh, it really, really shouldn't change. Uh, at, yes, at times um, the crowds are a little bit larger, uh, but uh, being biased, growing uh, growing up here in Pittsburgh and Three Rivers and now PNC Park, uh, you, you can pull probably most of the, the certified athletic trainers and most of the Major League Baseball players coming to PNC is just a unique, unique opportunity. Um, and, and the venue is just outstanding. The, the aesthetics of the, of the stadium are, are really cool. Not to say that Cleveland and LA is not, uh, but but the pressures, uh, in short, are, are the same. We we want to do what's best medically, um, and from as a performance team, uh, to to put our our players and our organization in the best position where they can go out uh, between the white lines and, and, and dominate uh, dominate their their trade in any given night. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to move into a couple of questions about um, athletic training and things within the profession that you're extremely passionate about. Um, but to start, I know some of our listeners might be aware, some may not. And, and you talked about pressure, but in February, just earlier this year, you guys had a visitor at spring training who who suffered a heart attack on the field during batting practice. Um, knowing you for many years, like I have, you're the last guy who wants to talk about yourself or take credit for anything. Um, let alone saving someone's life and and just dealing with that pressure-filled situation. But can you talk a little bit about what happened um, and just how important it is for athletic trainers and your staff uh, to be prepared and trained for events such as these? Yes, uh, that was um, – never forget that day. Uh, that that was just a, an unbelievable event, uh, fortunately, for, for, for that individual. Fortunately, our team – our team of, of certified athletic trainers, um, medical doctors, 
clubhouse staff, uh, everybody was prepared um, to help save this man's life. The early intervention of CPR, the early intervention of, of the AED, our minor league athletic trainers um, knowing exactly where the location of the, of the AED was, uh, to our clubhouse staff making sure that the, the path was clear for the ambulance to come through uh, from the time this individual went down uh, to the time he was uh, resuscitated and came back to life. Um, it, it, was, it was within uh, three minutes, three minutes of time. Uh, by the time he went down in the AD, it was, it was less than, than uh, 45 seconds. So the early intervention, uh, being prepared, uh, you, you didn't wake up that morning thinking you were going to be part of a team uh, that helped save someone's life. Uh, the, the, the access to AEDs at our facility, uh, fortunately for that individual, he was at our site that day. Uh, because if he wasn't, I'm not sure if we would have the, have the same outcome. And the response to the community, the response to the organization was uh, uh, unbelievable. Uh, the, the community down in Florida has now implemented um, that all their, their facilities that, that, that they have locally there at the county uh, have at least ADs and are equipped with staff members that know how to use the ADs and are uh, certified uh, CPR and first aid. So it was an uh, extremely humbling experience uh, to, to be part of, to be part of a team that was prepared um, and, and then helped save ultimately uh, someone's life. Yeah, and I can't imagine how that experience weighed on you and your staff mentally, um, just knowing how serious that that event was that day. Uh, you guys handled that with um, such skill and, and obviously composure, doing a great job there. Um, and mental health, uh, like I mentioned, is is one aspect of your job and your career that you've always been incredibly progressive and passionate about and just willing to learn and, and going above and beyond. Um, as we wrap up Mental Health Awareness Month throughout the country, I'm wondering if you can share a bit more info about what got you interested in learning about the benefits of, of positive mental health care for both athletic trainers and the athletes in your care. Absolutely. Um, coming out of that event that we, we just discussed, uh, the cardiac episode in, in spring training, um, th th there was a debriefing session and uh, amongst all individuals that were involved, whether it was the first responders or the individuals that were making sure that the path was cleared for uh, the ambulance. Uh, and, and we all need support. And that is a life traumatic event, um, and, and, and that happened. And fortunately, we, we have a robust network in the organization inside and outside uh, to, to provide resources to, to, to help break down and help discuss and, and to help validate um, and to help process those feelings uh, that were experienced before, during, and after. Um, mental health in general, this was uh, something that's been near and dear to me, uh, probably back back to the the high school days. For um, I had um, teammates, I had uh, classmates that that really suffered, um, and and it was go get help, uh, go to a, a general counselor, which was awesome, which was the right thing to do, uh, but but there was just a missing piece. Uh, there was a missing piece of the understanding of of what um, that 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 classmate, that teammate was going through uh, in, in that time. So I've always been curious and wondered, um, is there more? Is there somebody else? Is there something else? Is there a different skill set? Is there, is there a bridge, if you must? 
Um, and, and through my career, we we found and discovered uh, different programs. We found and discovered uh, different uh, training sessions, not only um, the robust network of psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, but but just general mental skill coaches, people that that you can talk to o- over the years. Uh, the athletic training room, which I'm sure you've heard uh, from different from different episodes, that the athletic training room is where these players can can unload. They can unload about their frustrations. They can mm-hmm. load about uh, whether uh, they're struggling on the field. They're struggling at home. They they just need an outlet um, and voicing voicing that they're not okay. It is okay to be not okay. And and that that has really resonated with me to be be a passive listener. Um, not only be a passive listener. But in the back and front of my mind, okay, if I'm hearing signs and symptoms that this person's not okay, how do I trigger the next steps? What are the next steps? How do I pivot to get them, the athlete, the individual, the care that they need, and also give them guidance if it's a family member that's struggling for them and how mm-hmm. they can get and help their family member? So very passionate about it. Thank you, Thank you for asking. A um, lot of work to be done, um, and, and I'm fortunate enough to be to be. Uh, uh, on a team and, and a society such as PBATS that is, is just as passionate. Yeah, and, and equally as passionate as, you know, the people up at MLB headquarters, John Coyle's leading the charge there to provide resources and care for all players in need and their family when it comes to mental health and well-being. Um, you know, over the past couple of years, you've been so involved in this. Have you seen a change in the clubhouse and in the training room uh, in terms of players opening up about their mental health? And like you said, just being okay, not being okay at all times. And, you know, I know we see these are professional athletes there. They have the life everybody dreamed of as a kid but have you seen a difference of, of people sharing more about how they feel and, and, and things about their mental health absolutely thanks to to gentlemen that you just mentioned john coils and, and the commissioner's office the the players association alike uh the the awareness and I, I still believe we're just scratching the surface here um the awareness of treating a mental health injury no different than we're treating a shoulder or elbow injury that the players can feel confident that they can feel um, open enough to know that the to destigmatize that it's okay not to be okay it's okay to have bad days it's okay to suffer from anxiety and depression knowing that we as an organization we as a league are there to support them we are there to get them the appropriate help and it could be a day, it could be a couple of days. They could get help for the rest of their life, but they could also continue to do what they love the most, and that's play baseball. So, yes, I have seen a shift. Does the shift need to continue to, to grow deeper and, and become more? Absolutely. Uh, but, but we're definitely off to, to a great start through the collaboration of, of the league, through the collaboration of the owners, through the collaboration of the Players Association. Uh, we, we just want to help people. Uh, we want to put them in the best position that, that they can feel mentally uh, so they can go f- out and physically meet the demands of the game. Mm-hmm. And for many younger athletic trainers out there who might not have a huge interest in in mental health and well-being at this point as they either are a student or, or getting into their career, can you share just a bit about how important and impactful the knowledge you've obtained about mental health care has been for you and your staff as just the sports medicine professionals? Absolutely. Whether the young aspiring athletic trainer students uh, don't have a, a passion or interest in it, uh, I, I believe most curriculums are now focusing on on it. 
and you're going to undoubtedly encounter athletes, staff members, uh, family members of these athletes, uh, athletes and, and staff members that are suffering from a, a mental health illness. So to 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 be aware, to have the antennas up, uh, to have that um, servant mindset, to have that that empathy, uh, to feel for what these these players and families are going through, um, and to know how to pivot and to get the professional help that they need uh, will only continue to enhance your career as a certified athletic trainer, but it will just enhance your career, your career uh, as a person and, and be most attractive to many other organizations other than just professional sports, uh, collegiate sports or high, high school sports. Uh, people will, uh, companies and people will recognize your empathy, they'll recognize your servant um, uh, heart, um, and, and your ability uh, to problem solve uh, with with all kinds of, of uh, individuals. And the the one last question about the the mental health topic. Um, one thing I find very very interesting about you um, and the athletic training profession as a whole is just how many hats you all wear during a normal day. Um, are you finding that your knowledge in the mental health field is something that really allows your players to to look to you for advice? I know you're not their therapist, you're not a psychiatrist, but you know you mentioned the training room is somewhere where guys can relax and be in private and share you know intimate stories and just the, how they're feeling. Are you finding that your knowledge is really a true resource for those players and something they come to you for? Yeah, I, I think the knowledge is is there, the skill set knowledge that you're viewed as that. But but most importantly is our abilities as certified athletic trainers to make that connection, our ability to build that trust, our abilities not only to act as a liaison but as a resource and a confidant um, and and a a a person that the players can truly trust and and unwind and unload their thoughts and, and emotions and feelings. And it, it's a tricky thing to balance um, because we do work for an organization and, and the players know that. But when you, uh, when you have their trust, when you know that at that moment in time, you have them and only them on your, on your mind and you want to help them through something, um, that individual will continue to to have the trust in you and will continue to come back to you just to bounce ideas off you. Uh, we don't have the answers. I certainly don't have all the answers. Uh, but what I like to share with these athletes, if I don't have it, I'm going to help you find the right people, the right sort resource uh, for you to get the necessary help. Yeah, that's great advice. And I know mental health is just, like you said, going to become more and more important in, in sports and in the workplace. And it's clearly you guys are doing a, an awesome job in Pittsburgh and, and throughout the league to educate on that topic. Um, one last thing I want to talk to you about is, um, you know, overall, looking back at your career, obviously, you're still still cruising along in Pittsburgh, um, but you've worked Major League Baseball All-Star Games, World Baseball Classics been part of the Major League Baseball Athletic Training Staff of the Year uh, in 2014, um, even uh, an adjunct faculty member at Duquesne University, all really amazing honors that that you deserve more than anyone. Um, is there something you credit, you know, outside of the hard work and just persistence every day uh, that you credit for really just creating a, a fantastic career in baseball? Well, I, I, I appreciate that. I'm not, I'm not sure if I can, I, I see it the same way, but thanks, Sam. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I, I'd be remiss if, if I wouldn't say my, my family, uh, notably my wife mm-hmm. um, and, and my, my, my two children, just to be be the, the, the rock um, to allow me to have a, have a career, uh, to allow me to be, be away from my family as, as long uh, as, as I have been at, at times during the season. Um, not only my wife, my kids, but my, my friends, my network, my network, my, my best network of friends, um, just the, 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 the support and, and knowing that, uh, during the baseball season, probably don't talk to me a whole lot or they don't see me. Uh, mm-hmm. technology is great. Text messages are great, but, but going out and having a cup of coffee or going to get dinner is, is, is far and few between. Uh, but, but would be highly, highly remiss if, 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 all the credit goes to my immediate family, notably uh, my wife and two children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Obviously, hugely important and and difficult to to be present uh, when you're on the road so much, like like you guys are. Um, but one thing you do have is uh, you're surrounded by really awesome staff in Pittsburgh. Your family at the ballpark, uh, Rafael Freitas, Tony Leo, um, many other people. So at this point, I want to give you some time uh, just to reflect and recognize your assistants and other people within your organization who make things go every day. Oh, no question. Uh, you're only as good as your weakest link. And, and on my team, I am the weakest link. That's, that's for certain. Um, I'm definitely not the smartest room, smartest person in the room. And, and that's the way I prefer it. I want to, I want to surround my people around really, really smart individuals, uh, individuals you just named Rafael Freitas, Tony Leo, uh, Seth Steinauer, our strength coaches, uh, Terrence Brock, Adam Vish, um, our, our massage therapist, um, um, Sarah Hubble. I mean, this this group is relentless. This group is extremely intelligent, passionate. Uh, every all the attributes and traits we just talked about, um, and it's it's extremely humbling to be to be part of this group um, because they push me every day, um, and, and they're they're the ones that 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 keep the engine going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clearly you guys are doing a, an awesome job there in Pittsburgh. You've been a, a, around together for a while now, and and just that continuity really is is cool to see in Pittsburgh and everything you're doing. Um, well, Todd, I appreciate your time today. Uh, thanks so much for joining the show. Um, just to wrap up today's episode, we're going to finish with a quick Q&A segment on the show that we call Extra Bases. So I'm going to ask you four quick questions and allow you to share some insight into uh, some of your favorite things about athletic training and baseball. So I know uh, it'll be tough to not be Pittsburgh biased here, but but we'll give it a, give it a run. So uh, starting off at first base, what is your favorite athletic training room um, outside of Pittsburgh to work in in the big leagues? <laughs> um, I would say visiting clubhouse uh, Chase Field run by Bob Doty. Give him some props. Okay, there you go. That's, a, that's the first time we've heard that. Uh, we've had an overwhelming amount of Atlanta responses. So I'm, it's cool to hear uh, that you have another take there from your colleagues across the league. Uh, moving on to second base here. What's your favorite major league baseball stadium to watch a game from the dugout? I got to go PNC park. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, as someone who's been there and, and seen you guys there, I, I don't think you're wrong. I think a lot of our guests have actually said PNC. You, you really can't beat the the scenery, the backdrop, the bridge. It's it's really an amazing place there. So I think you're, you're spot on with that one. Um, moving on to third base here. What is your favorite city to visit on the road? Favorite city would be Chicago, close second, San Diego. Okay. You, you can't beat the uh, the lakefront in Chicago during the summer. And I know you have uh, 
family there too. So really uh, an obvious answer there for people that know you. Um, moving on to home plate. Um, we've had some really interesting answers from hazing to taking the field on opening day. Um, did you have a welcome to the big league moment at some point during one of the first few years as a major league baseball athletic trainer? Ooh, that's a great question. I don't know if it's for this audience. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think, uh, but first big league opportunity before a, a full-time major league job was, was, um, when I was with the Cleveland organization, um, and Jimmy Warfield, um, had passed away. Uh, many, many years ago, um, there was a transition be- between when Rick Jamison was the triple the athletic trainer, um, and I was running the rehabs at the time. Um, I, I went, traveled on the, on the on the charter plane and had no idea what that was all about. Um, people just handing you food um, hand and foot at, at any any venture. Um, and then going into to, uh, Kansas City Stadium and, and, and seeing all your clothes and your bag hung up everything and everything mm-hmm. just uh, hawked the visiting clubhouse and then being taken out by the staff for, for barbecue after, after the game, it was, that, that was my first exposure. albeit it was a very, very, very short time. Um, as a minor league staff member, it was, it was a short trip for three days, but that was my first experience in the big leagues. And then in, in Los Angeles, just driving from the, the LAX airport to Pasadena for the interview, that was like, wow, this is what mm-hmm. the show's all about. Uh, an hour and a half commute <laughs> and a hundred dollar taxi <laughs> cab. Eventually got reimbursed. Uh, but, but there, there's so many little nuances from hazing to opening day flyovers that every opening day, um, I, I talk about this commonly with, with, with Tony Leo here in Pittsburgh, never take him for granted. Um, opening days are special. Um, and, and you only get one opening day, but to, to have as many as I've had, I'm extremely fortunate, extremely grateful and blessed. Yeah, and it's really just awesome to hear you and all your colleagues who have been on the show to uh, how you guys talk about how much you appreciate just the opportunities that the game of baseball has given you. So really cool to hear there. Uh, well, Todd, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, I really appreciate your time and your dedication to PBATS, and we wish you and your your staff in Pittsburgh nothing but the best uh, the rest of the way through this season. Sam, thank you. Thank you for continuing to do all you do for for PBATS, and uh, this, is, this is a great episode, a uh, great series that you're – uh, that you're that you're uh, encountering and doing so so thank you all right todd i appreciate it man we're good to go uh like i said thanks again i know you're super busy um taking some time away from your day so uh really appreciate it hey sam appreciate it good luck with the baby i'm sure we'll be talking before then all right and i'll shoot you that research from charlotte's web uh over right now and just uh give me a call if you have any questions all right we'll do thank you all right take care bye okay bye